Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. This week we're looking at another parable and it's the parable of the talents. Hi everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. I'm here with Tim Reed. Hey, and, how's it going? Uh, and Keithan is back. Yes. He Keithan, didn't do any heresy last time, so we let him back. Yes, I was grateful to get another invite. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd get another one, so. Yeah, and we're in our parable series where they, we, I don't know, this could go on for, well, not years. We'll run out of parables eventually, but it's Endless been going on depth, for quite a long time. Though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're, do, we're doing another one, and it's uh, one that's pretty familiar. I think loads of people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember the gist of that one. And it's the parable of the talents, or if you look at it in Luke, the parable of the minus, or if you've got a different translation of the parable of the pounds. But it's that one <laughs> where a guy gives people some resources, goes away, says, do something with it, comes back, and there's a bit of a reckoning that one so now you're all clued in like yeah i remember that should we should we read it yeah let's read the text get it get it fit gone tim you do some reading okay and then, we'll, then we'll start pulling it apart all right here we go again it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them to one he gave five talents of money and to another two talents and to another one talent each according to his ability then he won on his journey the man who had received the five talents went at once to put his money to work and gain five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who'd received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> wow, man. Talk about Boom. ending. <laughs> it's one of those stories that doesn't have like a, and then they lived happily ever after, no. you know? Yeah. It kind of finishes, finishes with a surprise. And then, yeah, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep well, kids. <laughs> Nighty night. So 
I think maybe a good place to start is just to let's tell the story of what's going on with uh, fleshing out the details. Well, yeah, I mean, because right? we're, we're like, I don't know what a talent is or, you know, like what's what's going on here? What's the what's this look like? What's the picture that's being painted? Well, also, too, I mean, it's, it's so easy to read this just in isolation or, or in a vacuum. It's one of the things when you're reading the Bible is like anytime you read the words of therefore, you got to read what was before it to understand the argument that's being made. The same thing here, because the parable starts out saying, again, it will be like. So like, what will be like? So we got to go back and think, like, where does this fall in the context of what Jesus is saying? Yeah. So, like, there's a theme that's being developed. Yeah. And this is one of these when, uh, I mean, rabbis would do this, like, stringing pearls, like putting things together to build a theme, which means if there's one pearl where you're not quite sure what it means, if you look at the ones either side, it gives you a clue. So either we'll do a really good at this job of this one and then be able to understand the parable of the ten virgins, or we'll talk about that and that'll help us with this one. Yeah. Probably so, a bit of both. Yeah, and, and this is it's ultimately about a reckoning where, where there will be a day where mm. God comes to reckon, to get an accounting for what has been given. And there's been different ways that Jesus has talked about that. He's talked about when the Son of Man returns, he's talked about remaining watchful, he's talked about these ten bridesmaids, and now he's he's telling a, a similar story in terms of money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think one of the interesting things is with the parable before, we've got a little more focus on like what did you do with what was given. Right. Whereas maybe here there's a bit more emphasis on what was your attitude particularly given the the context that you were in totally Um, yeah i think that the thing that comes to mind with this especially when you get kind of the predictability of the first two and how they did their thing um what the last servant references is the like he assumes the character of the the king and what he assumes about that character leads into like what he does. So I think even deeper than like, hey, what'd you do? It's like, what what do you believe about the nature of the one who gives you? Yeah, it is like he reaps what he sows kind mm, of thing. Right. He reaps what he believes. Yeah. 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 Now, Richard, sorry, I, I went a different direction. You were talking about defining kind of what a talent is and, and everything there. Well, we need to do a bit both. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to do a bit both. Uh, let's Let's tell the story a bit. Okay, and, and then look at the context around it to then make sense of it. So guys going on a journey and entrusts some property to some servants. So this is not an unheard of thing. In fact, around the time of Jesus, Herod took a trip to go back to Rome to, to be made king and then to return. And it went well. He was made king and returned. His, was it his son or his grandson did the same thing and actually was not making and so it ended differently so the idea of like someone going away to inherit some position who will then you know the aim of their journey is to go get some authority and then come back is not an unheard of thing so people there's all this political instability regimes are changing so that people are used to this idea that this might be happening we're not used to this you know we have an election and then we know where things are at 
and that may be a whole mess, but yeah, <laughs> that's and our then line. and then also like work is everywhere now, especially in the world that we live in now. You like work from home, so having someone entrust something to you while they go somewhere yeah. else is kind of a foreign concept because yep. work is just everywhere now. But you got to think they're very ge- geographically limited, yeah. And there would be property, there would be agriculture, there'd be all this stuff that needed to be maintained while someone is physically somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bit of a, um, it's not just in trust and do something with it, um, but this is a substantial amount of money that's being given, right? So um, a talent is about 20 years wages. Wow. Right? So the, so you've got people being given so much money that the, when they start trying to trade and do stuff with it, everyone's going to be like, where'd you get that from? Yeah. So... You know, if I imagine myself in that situation, so like Keithan's going away and he's like a billionaire and I start trading and, uh, you know, uh, they're like, where'd you get that money from? Like, oh, it's Keithan's. And they're like, oh, so are you kind of like his representative? Are you trading in his name? Like, yeah, kind of. Uh And so they're like, oh, so if I buy from you, I'm actually helping Keithan. Like, yeah, I guess so, kind of. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, if... If I was like going to open a pub with this money, it would be called like the Keithans Arms or something. You <laughs> sure. Know? Like it's like I'm I'd, I'd it go to that name. pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like this story. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's how the the people who've got the talents are going to be feeling about yeah. it. It's like I've been entrusted something with something. It's not mine, but I'm kind of a representative of the one who's given it to me and others are going to view me through that lens. Yeah. Mm. Ken Bailey, we've referenced this book before, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. It's such a it's good, so good book, yeah, yeah. For, mm. for for understanding these parables. But but he talks about basically that 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 the master would be tied to the money. So you, so you couldn't just get this enormous sum, sum of money and start doing things with it and have people not know that you're operating in the name of mm. the master. And so 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 for the for the the two people who are who are doing business and making things happen, you know, they would be tied for better or for worse to the master, but the guy that digs a hole and like, he's not going to be tied to the master. So, you know, there's all kinds of implications. Like he actually doesn't want to be tied to the master. And especially in Luke. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Luke absolutely makes that clear. So Luke adds this little bit where the money's distributed and the guy leaves to go be made king, um, flipping pages and flipping pages. Here it is. Because uh, I want to read you this little like extra detail. So he goes into a far country, but some citizens hated him and they sent a delegation after him. So this is like you imagine Herod's gone to Rome. Yeah. And like, so another delegation's also gone to Rome because they do not want this man to reign over us. Yeah. So, so you, people left in the city are like, well, what's going to happen? Yeah. Who's going to win the delegation? Like, what Whoa. do I do? So this is like, I mean, think about you know, the American election, you know, you put a sign outside your house if you're like, you want to campaign for someone and the election is going to go one or two ways and you're either going to be like really, really happy and celebrating the next morning or you're going to be really bummed. Hmm. And so people are left in that same tension. And then you think about like, okay, so Keithan's going to come back and I've called my business the Keithan Arms, right? And if it doesn't go well with Keithan... I've just now made myself landlord of like the pub 
not only no one wants to come drinking, but people are probably <laughs> at some point going to want to burn to the ground. Well, yeah. you're, you're, or yeah. the most like the coolest bar to come to because man, Keith is hot stuff, man. Like he's raining. <laughs> like well, yeah. it's, it's so a. I, I'm not, it, I don't know which way it's going to go. It's a, it's a stretch, but like the the election analogy is so interesting because we think about money as neutral, and what Ken Bailey says in the book is that money's not neutral. That's the point. So it'd be right. like you know if if I was a if I was uh you know let's just take this a little further. If I was going to go be king, and what if instead of talents I gave you election science for me, and I gave Richard five election science for me, and I gave Keith in one, and Richard puts them all over the city and you know gets people to rally for me, but Keith in buries the election sign that I gave him. Like that says something about the way that he actually thinks about me. So we're we're, we're stretching the analogy here, but not stretching it too much though. That puts teeth on it. I like that. I like that way of telling the story. Yeah. So that's the, these people are commissioned to then go trade, but the context of their trading is one of like, uh, your position is at risk depending on what you do next. Yeah. Hmm. Like you're either going to look like a hero or look like a fool or and the interesting thing about the guy who buries it is he doesn't want to look he doesn't want to risk everything be a hero or a fool so he tries to find a middle ground. Hmm. Of like I'm going to find some way of risking nothing by just burying the sign. Wow. So hmm so th- that's interesting. It's like, why does he stick out as being different? Because there's a progression of the other people. Um, yeah. So one thing too, just is picking up on what Keithan said at the beginning is when you're talking about agriculture, Keithan, is that you read this parable, does the master, like we would read this as like, you know, spoiled, privileged Western Europeans and be yeah. like, well, why did he expect so much? I mean, he gave him the money. Like he's already rich. Isn't that enough? But what's interesting here is like, <laughs> there's, the master doesn't even doesn't even have to say do something with like they just assume that they're going to do something with the money. He doesn't ever tell him to do it, but there's just an understanding like in that culture like you're talking about with like you know geography and agriculture and stuff like if if I leave someone a farm, well the assumption is that they got to do something otherwise when I come back there's not going to be a farm. It's just it's an assumed thing and right. we have to put on that cultural lens as we read this. Yeah. Yeah, like, can you look after my dog? Yeah, that's a great yeah, example. What do yeah. you do? I had nothing. <laughs> yeah. like, I buried the dog in the backyard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's preemptive. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then the the master, the nobleman, whatever, he comes back, but it says after a long time. And I like that detail, mm. right? Because I, I, I don't, what do you mean by long? Like, so then I'm like, I've got the Keithan's arms in my head, right? <laughs> So I'm like landlording away at the Keithans arms and it's been so long. People are like, what's the story? I'm like, oh yeah, I forget. Like, you know, like when I first started this venture, there was a feeling of like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go or an, an aim or a goal, but it's been going long enough that I'm just maybe going through the motions of what I've set going now. Hmm. Um, so there's there's a long time he comes back and yeah, now there's the, the reckoning. But yeah. it's but it's interesting. So he asks, "Hey, what happened?" Hmm. Um, and so this is where we get the uh, you know the one who had five had five more and right. But Richard in proportion to what they had, they yeah. done stuff. So we get the the little details and the differences between them. Right, and I think riffing on what you were saying about a long time 
is really significant because if you th- just think about any business venture, mm. you have to invest in order to reap reward, right? So, I mean, there could there could theoretically have been a time where the person who buried that one talent in the ground had more than the other two hmm. because the other wow. two were investing what they had done initially in hopes of the kind of return that they'd want to see based on the master's character. Wow. Um, so there, there could have been a time early on where the guy that had buried it in his like safety was the one who looks more fiscally responsible. Looks like he could actually, if the king came back today, could turn back in the most. But that long period of time is really significant. Yeah. And it's really interesting, the difference between them. Right. So one made five, one made two. Is that right? I've got the yeah. numbers right. Yeah. One made five, one made two. And uh, the interesting thing is they both get the same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. And it, it's like, from a capitalist point of view, if we were most interested in how much money have you made me, then the guy who made me f- more, I'd be like, dude, you're like aces in my book. I'm going to reward you more. Right. You made a bit, like pat on the head, <laughs> well done, like yeah. have a donut, but that's it. You know. Uh-huh. But actually they get treated the same. Hmm. And that shows me that the master is not so much interested in how much profit the master's got, but the fact that these people were loyal. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. They were loyal. They represented him. They risked. And, 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 and it's that faithfulness, hmm. that loyalty that he calls out, well done, you were good and you were faithful. Hmm. And then, and then like, what do they get? Do they, have they earned wages out of this? Like, no, I'll give you more responsibility yeah. and enter into the joy of your master. Hmm. It's all relational. Wow. Well, and you, uh, let's think about this. Like, so, so what is the joy of the master? Like looking at this parable, the master has enormous resources, right? I oh, mean, yeah. like this is enormous guy. resources and the joy of the master is to give away those resources so that there can be more. Yeah. And, and what's, what Jeez. has he done? He's given some of his resources. So like, like let's take me. So all of a sudden I'm given say two of these talents. Well, for me, like, okay, you said like, so that's, that's like, like 40, 40 years, years wage, like and a, a, ton. a lifetime's wages. And now what is he going to, he's going to give me more so that I can continue to, so I'm going to go find somebody that doesn't, that, that maybe has promise, but doesn't have the resources and say, Hey, I've got the resources. I'm going to give you these. Like it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the goose that's laying the golden eggs. Right. That's the joy of the master. Yeah. He's inviting them to enter into that. It's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And so now we we've been tuned in a little bit to like okay what's this guy looking for what's his values what's the master like Mm -hmm. and then we get the jarring like the guy who comes and his response is totally different um and and this is where it reads we got to do a little bit of history because it reads to us really weirdly um, when he says like i knew you were a hard man reaping where you didn't sow gathering where you didn't scatter uh, you know that's that sounds like an insult hmm. and you gotta think like in this moment when there's a reckoning on the line the last thing he's gonna do is insult the master and actually in the ancient near east um for for some sections of society particularly people who are nomadic still 
to be someone who raided and got by just going and taking was a huge compliment to pay to someone to be like, yeah, you're the kind of person that can just take what you want hmm. is a huge compliment. Um, but in like a settled agricultural culture, that's more the picture that's painted for us at the beginning, it would not be normal to act that way. Hmm. And so we're left like even it jars us but even for like readers in the first century they would be left with a jarring like yeah well i understand that's a compliment for some people but in this situation like if you're trying to butter the master up that's the last thing you like that's not what he's like plus he's like generous loves giving we've learned something about the master so we we the listener have the inside track on just how wrong this dude is in his take on like what makes the master tick like he's got completely the wrong end of the stick and in fact what he thinks is going to be a compliment is actually insulting <laughs> so it's like interesting it's yeah six shades are wrong mm-hmm. um yeah and then and then he buries it and you know so like wh- what do you think his motivation is in burying from his point of view, from his like, well, there's two things going on here, right? Because Jesus points out the inconsistency of this guy. So I guess the the question is like, if he really thinks the master is this way, what's our expectation? Mm-hmm. But given the cultural setting of all the risk and everything that's at stake, what's you know, what does the fact that he buries tell us about this person? Hmm. Tim, what you got? <laughs> well, I, I think it tells I, I us. Love that I looked at both of them, but Tim just had his eyes fixed on Keith and like, you, you answer this one. I know. I yeah. Keith was like, no. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think it tells us it tells us a lot. It So he makes an indictment on the character of the master trying to set up what he's done to, to make sense. He's trying to play into that and say like, well, hey, I, I know that you're so hard and you, you expect a lot and you do this. So I'm, I'm looking at it. So I, I buried it. So, so that the, I, I didn't want you to lose anything. Yeah. He's setting up the master to be somebody who operates with a scarcity mentality. And so I, I know you operate with a scarcity mentality. So look, I was faithful. I didn't want to risk you losing it because I know how important mm-hmm. your resources are to you. But is there and anything about... justify that. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything mm-hmm. about the master we've seen that that implies that he's this kind of a person like right. nothing like we've shown that he this guy has like lavish like reckless generosity yeah and and i mean and he says like he's like he's like oh so you so you think i'm this kind of person hmm. okay well like then you're going to be judged that way and and it's wow. and it's it's just it's telling that that he makes an indictment like the character that he puts on the master is the is the character that he's judged by and yeah. what wow. he shows is that you are not the kind of person that is going to, when you operate with that kind of a mentality, you're not the kind of person that's going to be faithful to resources and cultivate more. Instead, you're actually going to be cast out because, yeah. because the way that these resources are, 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 are taken care of and cultivated is, is only for the sake of generosity. And yes. that's, and that's not yeah. how you are operating. Yeah. It's motivation is huge. I, as you were talking, something that came to mind for me was, uh, if like a if we use a metaphor of like a parent that gives their son or daughter a Lego set and they are like, hey, here's this Lego set. I'm really excited to see what you build. Leave the room and come back in. And, you know, the first two 
uh, just have these amazing, like really creative, innovative, like Lego creations that they've made versus the one who like slides the the Legos back in the in the packaging yeah. to the parent and been like, I know that you entrusted me with this. Here's this back. Totally missing the point that like the joy of creation yeah. is the thing that the parent is trying to give. The joy of participating in the master's business is the thing. Like you said, it's not about the money. It's about what are they participating in. So they totally miss like miss the boat on like this is about joy. This is about yeah. relationship. And and it's that relational stuff which is where there's the subtext. Right. Of like, okay, while I've been away, you don't know, you know, how things are gonna go if you take my name and put it above your door. And so when you say you're afraid of me, it's like there's elements of truth in what he says, hmm. which which from our vantage point as a listener, you know, we can see going on. It's like, you're not afraid of me. You were, you were afraid of everyone else. And because you were afraid of everyone else, you didn't act in a way that was loyal to me. You were not faithful to me. Hmm. So don't now, like, and now you're projecting that really you're afraid of me. No, you were afraid of what would happen if you aligned with me. Yep. Right? Th that goes back to bearing the election sign. And that, yeah. and that goes back to the, to in, in the Lucan passage where they actually follow to protest this person's being made king. This, this man or woman that has the talents, they, they, they don't want to be caught dead when it, when it comes to aligning themselves with this person. Yeah. So then we get the response of the master. So the master answered, and so we've had good and faithful, and now we have you are wicked and slothful. Which is not a word we use very often, but that's it's a good word. We should use that more. Slothful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's the the interesting thing to me is you know, we could say, oh, you wasteful servant or, but like there's something about your attitude which is actually wicked as opposed mm. to good. There was a goodness to these other people and like their faithfulness, their loyalty, their, uh, even the fact that like, the, like you, the Lego thing. Yeah. Like a goodness to like stepping in, being creative, stepping into the joy of it, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the fact that you've not done this isn't just like, oh man, you missed out. What a shame. You know, like, well, what, you know, you could have played Legos. What a shame. <laughs> but like, no, actually you have mm. like rejected me. Like you've had a, a an attitude that's actually broken in our relationship. Wow. Something dysfunctional where this is actually, it's not just, oh, you, you know, you missed out on something, but you've actually rejected. Yeah. And that's interesting because we, it, you know, when you're just talking about monetary value, this, this it seems servant, harsh. yeah, this servant should have just been treated as like, man, you were like really apathetic to the yeah. cause. I mean, he still gave him back the talent. I know, right? It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's not like he spent it. Like a wicked servant to me would it's have been spent son. it, right, and didn't give anything back. But so it's like a net zero. But I just think we have to allow Jesus' worldview and, and the whole scope of the Gospels plus Revelation to inform how we how we read this because Jesus has 
moments where he says either like you're with us or you're against us. He says in Revelation to the church that either like be hot or cold, like don't be in the middle. And so this kind of neutrality, like this guy didn't do him any harm nor good is seen as wickedness. So for us in our like in our modern worldview, that's, that seems very harsh, but we have to allow actually Jesus worldview of like indifference is wickedness. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to allow that like into our space and into our minds. So, well, yeah, well, it's like, imagine dating, you know, so we were married, we go on our first date with our wife to be, you know, and they're, you know, just reaching out, being kind, putting themselves out there and we just flatline them. (laughs) <laughs> like we, we just give them nothing you know are they gonna come home talk to their friends like how did the date go like oh well you know fair like okay like <laughs> no the guy was a complete jerk wow like, that's, yeah that's what our reaction would be relationally yeah we understand this stuff yeah like he was physically there but he didn't care about me he yeah. didn't ask me a question about my life <laughs> right yeah and that's not seen as oh good enough he paid for dinner it's yeah. like no he was actually rude to you in that situation right yeah and then it's interesting because the master says, like, hey, if even if, because he doesn't affirm the guy's take on him, but he says, if that's what you thought I'm really like, you should have done this. So even by your own oh, yeah. standards, he's judged by if his I'm miserly, you should have at least put the money in the bank to get the interest. And so then the question is, like, why didn't he? Because if he was really afraid of the master, he should have done that. So it's just becoming more and more clear. Yeah. Like you're not afraid of the master. Yeah, you don't want to be aligned with the master. You don't want to be aligned with him. You, wow. don't, you don't want to hold a big account at the bank where they're like, oh, you're the Keith and guy, Keith and Arms. Yeah, we know you. Like, Whoa. Didn't want to be aligned with him. I never... He did not want to risk yeah. a negative reaction. And what it comes down to is these other people, their faithfulness to this master was born out of a hope of like, I mean, we get this more in Luke that he's going to receive a kingdom. Like it, their reaction was born out of a hope of like, yeah, I think he's going to be made king, even though there are people who want to oppose and get in the way and are going to claim he shouldn't be king. I want him to be king and I think he is going to be made king. And on the basis of that hope, I'm going to act this way. Yeah, it's worth it. This guy. And then we don't know. Did you not think he's going to be made king or were you just not sure? Yeah, because think about it. If if the other no hope. right, if the other guy came back and or sorry, if the master came back and wasn't king, then his authority is gone. Homeboy digs up oh, the yeah. mina and he's off to the races. Yep. Yeah. But if you if you put it in a bank, they would probably know that it wasn't his in the yep. first place. Master comes back and can still get what's yep. his. So what it comes down to is the first two trusted the master. Yeah. Wow. The last one didn't. Yeah. Didn't trust him. And and it goes back, we've talked about this in podcasts before. It goes back to the theology of blessing. Like you 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 rewind back the entire story of the Hebrew oh, scriptures. Man. Like the purpose of blessing to Abraham is so that he will go out and be a blessing. And and where was it that God's judgment came? It was when the people who had the blessing yes. did nothing with it. Like there's wow. an actually an indictment there that like like blessing is not just like we talked about like like this money is not neutral like being given a resource to steward like that's not a neutral task that actually puts you on the playing field yeah. wow and 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 like we 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 talked about this a lot like the purpose of being in the kingdom of god is to be in the kingdom of god it's not a neutral yeah. task and there's something to be pushed into this is a bit of a weird connection but you've just reminded me 
So when the children of Israel are going into the land and the tribes are all going to get a bit of the land, do you remember there was the two tribes? Oh, yeah. Right? On mm. the, they, did, they, they were like, hey, we like land, here. They, they, they had, they had their best. The side of the Jordan is okay for us. It's like burying the, burying the talent. And then what Moses said to, says to them is basically, how dare you discourage the rest of the children of Israel? by not crossing the Jordan with us. Wow. Because then then I'm thinking about the dynamics. What if these three knew each other? Right? Hmm. What's the effect of the guy who buries it on the other two? Like, that's going to... He's just sowing all seeds of, like, doubt and fear, like, wondering, he's, you know... It, it just the the interplay between them then is really interesting because that's kind of what was going on with the children of Israel and their tribes. Hmm. And this is such a big theme. So okay, I'm a huge revelation nerd, and so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through a rabbit hole here, and I Let's promise go. it'll it'll make its way back. So this this theme of an accounting is like it's all over the scriptures, and like we see it's so like we're reading in Matthew right now so so the parable that's right before this is he's talking about being watchful for his return um well sorry it's a couple parables before but we see about the bridesmaids right they're trying to be watchful like there's there's going to be a time where like what we've been working for is going to come to culmination and we want to be ready for it and um in like I, I always read the the letter to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter three and like it's so convicting and it's like one of them we, we take sections of it and like misconstrue it in just egregious ways that I don't want to go into. But one of the one of the big things that Jesus talks about is he, is in that letter he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, I'll come in and eat with them and then with me. And 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 I had had always grown up thinking like that's the altar call verse. That's the verse that you say like, hey, to unbelievers, like Jesus is here. He's standing at the door and and knocking. Yeah. Especially and, given Jesus says like, ask, seat, knock. Yeah. So we've got that language when Jesus is stood in front of people inviting them. Yeah. So sounds like an invitation. That's right. Yeah. It, but that's not like that verse mm. is actually not for unbelievers. Because remember, it's written to the church in Laodicea. And wow. he just gets done addressing rampant sin that's going on in the church. And he's saying, hey, uh, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you church believe, like if you believer will open the door for me, then I will come in and eat with you. Like, so that's number one, like don't use that for an altar call. Cause it's actually for the church with, to address sin. But, but, and this is something for me that is just more recent. I never realized that there's a pair, there's like a direct parallel to, uh, in Luke, there's a, there's a parable of the, the, the watchers. And this is in Luke chapter 12, verse 35. And, and he says, Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks at the door, hmm. they can immediately open it for him. And, 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 and the whole thing is about, is about being faithful. And, and I always read in in that letter to the church in Laodicea is like hey like like I'm the master of the house and like yeah Jesus he's knocking on the door of my life and like yeah I can open it up and he can come in but like but that Lucan thing flips it on its head where it's yeah. like he's the master of the house and you're the servant in his house and he mm. is going to knock at the door and when you open it there will be an accounting 
for how you have managed his house. And I think that ties in right here wow. to the talents. And like, I think it's... That's so good. Oh, it's awesome. It yeah. flips the authority structure. Instead <laughs> yeah. of putting you as the authority that like, oh, I might let Jesus in. Yeah. He's coming back to take what's rightfully yeah. his. Yeah. Yeah, there is... Wow. That's, that's an amazing. inescapability to... You're you're going to reap what you sow, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's a recurring theme. And Man, this, I so badly wanted to start talking about Revelation. Oh, dude, uh, another I'm, day, another I'm in. Day. I'm in. Well, okay, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a, a plug. Can I do, can I do a shameless plug? Shameless. Let's go. <laughs> no, I mean it's not shameless. Make it as shameless as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're gonna do a podcast. I'm putting you on the spot now. So we're we're going to to do a podcast about this. But me and a friend Steve Marshman have a, a podcast going through every verse in Revelation, and it's called Revelation. A conversation, yeah. and we're we're going to talk about that and in this coming podcast. up fairly soon. We're going to do a podcast which will kind of I don't know do a thirty thousand foot yeah that then you might want to follow up by listening to that. So more details on that. Yeah. Now I wasn't so that you you've heard that that's that's the plug. But one thing I was going to say, just thinking about this parable, like we've been talking for how long? I mean, a, a while about this parable. These are not like simple bedtime stories to tell your kids. Yeah. Right. Like, like Jesus is, is not giving us like, Oh yeah, it's a little parable. Like, and we, that's the way I grew up was like reading. Oh yeah. It's a little nugget about like, yeah. Hey Tim, like you're a, you're a five talent kind of guy. So like, Hey, like God's given you a lot. Like Jesus is pulling the fire alarm. Like this is not a nice bedtime story. No. Yeah. Yeah. This is harrowing depending on where you're at. And so, and this is where we've got to pivot to is like, we've got to, Jesus is shining a light on some attitudes, practices, aspects of relationship, and we've looked at them all in the ancient world. And now it's like, okay, what's the today version right. of these attitudes? And, you know, we live in Portland, a city that's pushing towards post-Christianity where allegiance to Jesus is looked down upon. Yeah, yeah to where, put it lightly. Where... where Aligning with Jesus creates the risk of rejection and loss and pain. Hmm. And the you know, it it can be really easy to justify to ourselves hiding our allegiance. Wow. Burying the sign. <laughs> hmm. And then this the like I love the way the like fire alarm's being pulled. Is like, yeah, when we have that impulse to bury the sign, it's wicked. Yeah. Like it just call it what it is. It is wicked. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's us revealing that there's we don't trust Jesus. We don't have the hope. Because if we have the hope, if we have the trust, we're going to be trading in his name. And I don't mean like set up a Christian business. It's like more profound <laughs> than yeah. that. It's, this is more like whole life type stuff. Right. Yeah. And going back to my thought on investment is, you know, when, when Jesus talks a ton about like fruit and like reaping harvest and that kind of thing, um, like your, uh, your endorsement of Jesus, your living life and having gospel conversation just in everyday spheres, 
uh, you might not see the fruit of that immediately. And that's why going back Mm -hmm. to what you were saying about the long time actually matters because you need to be continually investing, believing in God's character that he wants to like show himself to your neighbors. He wants to reveal himself to our city. He wants to heal what's wrong. So when you have that correct perspective, you can invest knowing that he'll make really good on his, on that investment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just I think that when we when we bury things, we don't we don't participate in that multiplication. Yeah. And because and we run it through a lens so much of thinking like when we think investment, we're like, well, how much how much am I tithing? How much money have I got? You know, something like that. Um, or like, well, God hasn't been that generous to me, so I don't need to worry too much about this. It's like, no, if you have Jesus, your life is so much more profoundly rich than Mm -hmm. it would have been without him. Yeah. You know, like you have so much hope you wouldn't have had. Yeah, you've been been given the resources to do the task at hand. Wow. And so if if you want to like hide that away because you feel like if you actually own that reality, that that might cause threat then there's something profoundly gone wrong you know that's that's the challenge here and it and that attitude should play out in like how we relate to our neighbors how we are in the schoolyard what we right. do with our kids what we do with our time what we do with our like it's going to influence our actions but like at the root of it the motivation is going to come from uh I don't know how how we feel about the talent. Hmm. Like you've been given the spirit. Yeah. Like the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like, is that a reality you're gonna allow to blossom and flourish? Or are you gonna like keep it in a box because you're not sure what would happen if you let it out? Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Where where you talked about you, you mentioned how we feel and and one of the one of the themes we've talked about in this podcast has been that that there there is an indication of how the servants feel about the master based on how they steward the resource and 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 it's almost like the the master is like personally invested in what happens in with his money right and uh you know we've, we've referenced that this this parable doesn't come in a vacuum we've talked about what happens before the parable of the watchers the parable of the bridesmaids but if we look at like what happens right afterwards it's it's this really sobering parable about judgment but what's interesting the parable in 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 the it's not a parable afterwards but but it's jesus talking about about ultimately like a, a final accounting for of resources and and that is very similar to what what we've just read like the way that these servants have treated the, the money is actually an indication of the master and, and, it, and it ties right in, in in Matthew chapter 25 uh, starting in verse 31 it's when he's talking about how to, to, to he says to the righteous like well you know come in and, and and when I was hungry you gave me something to eat when I was mm. thirsty you gave me something to drink when I was naked you, you brought me clothing you visited me in prison and and the righteous they look at him and they say this is in, in verse 37 Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink when were you a stranger and and, and we invited you in and 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 he says in verse 40 I tell you the truth whatever you did for the least of these you did for me and this is the same thing like whatever you did with my money it was as if I was doing it 
Yeah. And, and, and because mm. of that, there's a responsibility and like whatever you didn't do with my money, like there, that you didn't, it's as if I didn't do it. And like when you, when you are representing the King, when you're representing the master, there is a responsibility and there is just and righteous judgment that comes with that. Yeah. Mm. And that's like, there's some theology of what the church is. You know, we, we sometimes think like, yeah, my job is to point people to Jesus it's like, and I get that. There's that's some goodness to that, but also we're supposed to be Jesus's hand and feet. Like people are going to understand who Jesus is by looking at his church and going, "Oh, that's what Jesus is like," and that's part of Jesus's method. He said, "I'm going to put myself in you, and as a body together, you will represent me." People, like I became incarnate and I've become king, and now the way I'm going to incarnate myself is by putting my spirit in the heart of my church well it's like we we misread paul we, we we read paul say you are the body of christ and we think oh yeah we're like the body of christ yeah. paul, no, no no you are the body of christ wow. so like if christ is going to do something how does he do it like yeah. he does it through his body yeah. hmm. and then this parable like it, it lands on us as like man how what a jerk to be the guy who buries like i don't want to be that guy I don't want to be that person. I won't be that. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to miss out. Um, and then we're like, yeah, but it seems like such a huge step to like return five talents for five. Like mm. we're talking about a hundred percent return, <laughs> you know? So it's like, wow. But then in the midst of the parable, I think the the gem for us is like, if we want to step into it, don't forget the overarching like shout out from this parable is, isn't the master generous? He's so generous. Yeah. And that's and, like... And, and trust the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, then I have more hope. Yeah. Right. Because it's... Because the, the, the wickedness of this guy is not the return. It's his lack of participation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the master's saying like, like, dude, just participate. Like, I've given you, like, I got more resources. Trust me. Like, don't worry about yeah. that. Like, just participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, yeah, the end goal is is just so important to keep in mind in this whole thing is that, like, the master, like, longs to give the servant the kind of joy that he experiences. Yeah. And, like, to to settle for less than joy and complete fulfillment and hope because of who you belong to is is completely like sidetracked from what he wants to do. And uh, man, I just, I think just a call on our life is like, how many times do we live our life almost doing sin management of like, how do I not sin? How do I avoid X, Y, and Z versus like, am I participating in the life of the master? Yeah. Like, am I actually taking him up on his call to life to the full mm-hmm. or not? And I think it goes back to what you were saying, scarcity mentality. What do you believe about the character of God? And that's going to influence how you live your life. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's literally that one-to-one. And so that, uh, I think it's that Tozer quote, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Mm-hmm. And in this, uh, in this story, that's true. Like the uh, two generous giving joy filled, participate with me. The other one stingy, not able to return on investment, angry. And that's what he got. So I just, I think you see the fruit of their belief in who God is. Yeah. I'm glad you used the word belief because it's like 
to step into all of these things, there's a risk. And the mechanism by which we step over the risk and cross it is yes. faith. That's right. And and the beautiful thing about faith is Jesus said, like, whatever you got is powerful. Like whatever you've got, it can it can move mountains. Yep. Like you where you're at right now might not get you all the way to five talents of return, but it'll get you started on the right path to five mm. talents worth of return. That's and, right. And it's by participating. I, I wonder how often we're held back because we feel like these these two people here are superstars and we're like, I can't be a superstar. And because we've got this tendency to keep measuring in terms of like, what quantity do yeah. I feel like he can give back? Hmm. But the master keeps saying, like, are you good? Are like, you faithful? You and are you faithful? Wow. And so, like, when you're good and faithful, the return will happen. Yeah. Like, don't you don't need to focus on that. You don't need to worry about that. Because that's the sort of thing you can, uh, yeah, and I don't want to say you can, you should. Like, right when we finish in a second here, you should sort of take inventory but we can take inventory of like, how do I spend my time? What am I participating? Where do I serve? What's you know, like, who am I reaching? What mm. am I, how am I growing? You know, but. Well, it's a message to say, use what you have. Like, yeah. Yeah. like but rather like, than measuring the quantity of all those things, it's like, what's the motivation at the beginning of like, what are you doing? What's, what is in your heart that's making you not take a step further in? Hmm. Like, cause that could be dealt with, you know? If it's if it's a lack of trust, if it's a miserliness, if it's a risk aversion, um, if it's a lack of hope, like God's provided a whole bunch of things to help feed that stuff in us generously. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Tim? What you got? I know it's hard because I, I want to finish on like <laughs> be encouraged, but I also want to finish on like. God's that there's the the fire alarms ringing. Yeah, wow. it so is, like it is, you, there's a there's a warning in this as well. Yes. Yeah. I I think that I think that just rounding out what what we can take to the bank is like there there is a reckoning and, and a sense of accountability. There's no question. But you know you think about like I think it's I think for us listening we we can take account and just think like where have I been placed. You know, like for me, like, yeah. you know, I always, I always say this whenever I'm on this podcast, like I don't work at a church. Like I, I help people sell fireplaces for a living, <laughs> you know, and, and it can be easy sometimes to think like, well, yeah, but God doesn't, he hasn't given me that much. Like, mm. I, you know, I'm busy. I got, I got two kids and like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my life and, and, and how do I have time to like do the things that matter? And I think that there's such just a reassuring word of like, Hey, like God's put you somewhere and like, just, just use that. Yeah. Because even those things, especially you've got young kids. Yeah. So it can be an all-consuming thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but the question can be like, but is your marriage Jesus-shaped? Yeah, that's right. Is your fathering of your kids Jesus-shaped? Is the way you help people sell fireplaces Jesus-shaped? Yeah. You know, and again, it's not necessarily about like, are you giving tracts and evangelizing yeah. the work? It's, yeah, it's if, more if you, holistic than if that. If you run your race, things are going to be okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
Yeah, that's good. I think about um, what the reality of the world right now has done to my ministry specifically and how like the human side of me has gone into a bit of grieving based on like my group isn't as big as it once was. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't there's not all this momentum. We're not doing like events and parties and, and camp and like all this stuff for the teenagers of Westside. And it's easy to allow those human metrics to set like yeah. the reality of your heart. Um, and I think that this is asking us, it's asking me to step forward in faithfulness with who's in front of me right. and what I have right now. Yeah. So instead of being frustrated that the group isn't so much bigger, it's like, man, I've got this number right. and they're hungry to yeah. go after God. So who am I to compare my, you know, one or two talents to the five That's talent right. person and be frustrated at my metric but God is asking me, are you faithful with what you've been given Dude, that's right, what, yeah. right well, That's now. what he says. You've been faithful with what you've been given. Yeah. So right. I'm going to give you more. Yeah. That's the message. Right. Yeah. Like how much, how much stuff do you have to have to be faithful with it? Nobody. Very little. Yeah. You can have a penny off the floor. Yes. Like from, from the smallest amount to the largest amount, faithfulness is always an option. <sighs> Which Come is, on. and that's exciting because we do tend to look at our lives and especially in our culture, right? Wish we had more, think we'd be able to do better if we had more. Yep. And, and this is a parable that affirms over us. Like you can do a hundred percent what you got. Yep. Yes. Come on. And that's exciting. Cause then that's like, once we latch onto that, we can find the satisfaction, the fulfillment of the joy of your master yep. in, in that place. That'll preach. Come on. All right. There we go. So go do that, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.